Amen. Thank you so much, Gary and worship team, for leading us in worship today. Good morning, everybody. It is always just an incredible joy to get to see you all and to worship together with you. A picture from this past week. I was sitting in front of my computer with four different email accounts open and just trying to reply to emails and catch up on work. And every time I would reply to one email, it felt like three more would come in while I was in the middle of replying to the one. I don't know if maybe that's how some of your weeks have felt as well, at work, at school, at home. And if your week has been a blur like mine has been, I want to just say welcome. I believe God is inviting us this morning to step aside for now from all the responsibilities of the week and to wholeheartedly worship God, glorify him, receive from his word here this morning in a way that will then overflow into our weeks. I want to invite us into this Christmas story to forget the cares of the week for now and let God's words and his story speak to us here this morning. Let's pray together as we enter in. God, we, we come here today from many different things that have taken place this week, but you have, you have this message for us of your hope and your joy, the message of Christmas, the message of Jesus. God, I ask that you would help us to temporarily put aside the cares of our lives and to let you minister to us with this story that is like no other, this true story of the birth of Jesus and what that means for our lives. God, we invite you to speak to us this morning through your word. And I pray that we would be refilled and filled to overflowing, that we could overflow with the message of your goodness to us in Jesus. And we thank you, God, and we pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. As I've been studying for this morning, I have fallen in love with the scripture that we are looking at. It's a story of heroes of the faith whose lives are intertwined together in the story of the birth of Jesus. We'll be looking at Zechariah and Elizabeth, Mary, the baby who will grow to be John the Baptist, and then the incomparable baby, Jesus. Catching us up to where we are in our in our Advent series, we have been looking at the book of Luke and Luke's account of the birth of Jesus. Two weeks ago, we looked at the angel Gabriel's visit to Zechariah. Zechariah was this elderly, faithful priest serving in the temple who is told this incredible, almost unbelievable message from the angel Gabriel that Zechariah and his wife Elizabeth will bear a son this son will grow up to be John the Baptist. And Zechariah is told by Gabriel that this child John will be great in the sight of the Lord, that John will bring many people back to God, that John will make ready a people prepared for the Lord. And as we saw two weeks ago, Zechariah struggles to believe that this could really happen. And Zechariah questions it and 
the angel gives Zechariah a time of quietness and silence. And what's so amazing is that, as we'll see next week, Zechariah is not harmed by this time of quiet. We will see Zechariah next week in the birth of John erupting with praise and thanksgiving to God. We see the angel Gabriel coming to Mary as well. We looked at this passage last week. And Gabriel tells Mary that she will conceive and give birth to a son who is to be called Jesus, a name that speaks of God's salvation. And Gabriel tells Mary that Jesus will be great, that he will be called the Son of the Most High God, that his kingdom will never end. And Mary also has to struggle to believe this. She asks the angel how this will be. And the angel expresses these beautiful, miraculous words to Mary, that the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And so the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. And the angel tells Mary that even Mary's relative Elizabeth, this elderly woman, is now pregnant as well, and in her sixth month of pregnancy. And then Mary replies with these words that are an example to us of how we can respond to God as well. Mary says, I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. What if that was how we respond to God every time he, he speaks to us? God, I am your servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. We'll pick up the story today in Luke 1 at verse 39. Mary has just heard this incredible news that Elizabeth is pregnant and that Mary herself is going to bear this son who will be named Jesus. And the scripture says, At that time Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea, where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. It was perhaps an 80-mile journey that Mary went on. It probably took her three to four days to travel to her relative's home And when she gets to Elizabeth's home, she is greeted by Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in Elizabeth's womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. And Elizabeth asks, Why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? And Elizabeth says, as soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. And I want to pause there in the story for a few minutes. Elizabeth is elderly. She has been faithful to God. She now has um, this promise of a child coming true in her own life. She is going to give birth to this child named John. And yet, as she greets Mary and welcomes Mary into her home, Elizabeth focuses on the baby that Mary is carrying. Elizabeth points to Jesus and says that even Elizabeth's own baby John in the womb has leaped with joy in the presence of the the child Jesus um, that Mary is carrying. I'm inspired by Elizabeth. She has no envy. She has no jealousy. She just has joy that she is in the presence of this baby who will be born and will be our Savior. 
And Elizabeth must have taught her own son well, because John, who is already leaping in the womb with joy in the presence of Jesus, John grows up to be an amazing man of God who points people to Jesus. And I want to spend a few minutes looking at this baby that Elizabeth is carrying, this baby who will be John the Baptist, this baby who is already leaping with joy in the womb because of the presence of Jesus. This baby John grows up to be an incredible, radical, Old Testament-type prophet of God who lives in the desert and brings to the people a message of repentance to prepare the way for the coming of Jesus. All through John's life, he consistently points people to Jesus. The people begin to come to John to be baptized, and it is a baptism of repentance to prepare the way for Jesus. And as John begins to baptize people, John is now about 30 years old. Jesus also is about 30 years old at this point. And as John begins to baptize people, Jesus comes to also be baptized by John. And as John continues baptizing people, John's own followers begin to see that Jesus also is baptizing and that the people are beginning to go over from John to Jesus and that Jesus is beginning to have the people come to him for baptism. And John's own followers ask John what to do about that. This is John who, as a baby, leaped with joy in the womb at the presence of Jesus. And I want to look at John's reply to his own followers as they notice the people going over to Jesus. Let's look at John chapter 3 at verse 27 to see John's incredible reply. To this John replied, A person can receive only what is given them from heaven. You yourselves can testify that I always said I am not the Messiah, but am sent ahead of him. The bride, which is the people of God, including us, the bride belongs to the bridegroom, which is Jesus. The friend who attends the bridegroom waits and listens for him and is full of joy when he hears the bridegroom's voice. And John says, that joy is mine and it is now complete. That joy that John had from before he was born, when he was a baby in Elizabeth's womb, that John who had joy in Jesus' presence from before he was born, 30 years later, still has that joy. And as John watches the people go to Jesus, John's reply is, my joy is now complete. It's an incredible message for us of a follower of God who spends his whole life pointing people to Jesus because of the incredible overflowing joy that he has in the presence of Jesus. After this takes place, John takes the risk of challenging a political leader who is in sin, and as a result, John gets arrested. And something I love about John is that he is very human. This person who has been leaping with joy 
in Jesus' presence since before he was born is also a human being just like us. And sitting in prison, I believe John begins to wonder if Jesus really is that one, if Jesus really is that Messiah that John has been pointing people towards all these years because John, there in prison, sends his followers to go find Jesus and ask if Jesus really is the one who was to come, the Messiah. And Jesus sends his disciples back to John in the prison to say, to say, yes, look at what is taking place. Look at how people are being raised up and healed and forgiven. And John dies in that prison. But he is an inspiration to me of a person just like us who has lived his whole life pointing people to Jesus because of the joy that he has in him, in Jesus. And I pray for myself and for us that we would be people like that as well, who would give our whole lives to point others to Jesus because of that overflowing joy inside of us. Meanwhile, back at the home of Zechariah and Elizabeth, Elizabeth is still replying to Mary's greeting, and I want to pick up the story in verse 45. Elizabeth, continuing to speak to Mary, says, Blessed is she, blessed are you, Mary, blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. Remember that Mary is a young teenager. She's been given this humanly, completely impossible word from God that she is going to bear a child and that this child will be the son of God, that this child will be the promised Messiah. Mary is being asked to believe something completely impossible from a human point of view. But really, every follower of God is asked to believe the impossible from a human point of view because we follow a God who does what would otherwise be impossible. And Mary believes. She believes that the Lord will fulfill his promises to her. She trusts her whole life to that belief that the God that she loves will fulfill his promises to her. I think of my own life. I have dreams that God has given me, ministry dreams, for how I imagine that God would let me serve him and what God would let me be a part of and what God would let me see him do. And those dreams have not fully taken place yet. And I want to be like Mary and to believe that the Lord will fulfill his promises to me. I imagine that you have dreams, words that God has spoken to you, promises that God has given you, and maybe you have not seen those promises fulfilled yet. And I believe God is inviting you and me to be people who will believe that God will fulfill his promises to us. I want to share a story of a friend of mine who is an incredible inspiration to me for what it can look like to truly believe that God will fulfill his promises to us. This friend of mine lives in Uganda, but his story is something that we all can identify with. And I asked his permission to share this testimony with you this morning. 
His name is Alan. He's a young adult man living in Kampala in Uganda. And I first met him in 2011 on my first missions trip to Uganda. Alan joined our team as a translator. And so each day we would drive in our vehicle to the place where we would minister and someone would preach and we would all get to pray and Alan would translate. I quickly saw that Alan is called as an evangelist. God has given him a passion to preach the gospel to the nations. But in Alan's service as a translator, Alan served us and served God. Alan wasn't the one preaching. He was translating. For the most part, Alan wasn't the one praying. He was translating our prayers so we could minister to the people. And on that trip, I watched Alan just serve and serve and serve so that people could be pointed to Jesus. While Alan knew that he was called by God to preach to the nations, but he chose to serve humbly and with love as our team ministered. Over the years, I stayed in touch with Alan, and I would usually see him on each of my trips to Uganda. And his sense of calling, that he was called to preach the gospel to the nations, that sense of calling kept growing stronger and stronger, like a a burning flame in his heart, that he was called to preach the gospel to the nations. But Alan's circumstances didn't seem to change. He completed high school but never had the opportunity to go to college. To devote himself to God, he began to sleep in his church every night. Every night he would sleep alone in the church and pray and often fast and seek God for the fulfillment of God's call on his life. And this continued for years. For years and years, every night, Alan would sleep alone in the church seeking God and entrusting himself to God. There were low points. There was a time when Alan tried to get a visa so he could visit the U.S. and have a ministry trip here, and he was denied twice. There was a time when Alan wanted to go to seminary. He has this hunger to study God's word, and he tried to find an arrangement where he could come to a school in the U.S. to study and prepare himself to preach the gospel to the nations, and that was denied too. And I saw the years going by, and Alan continued to sleep in the church alone every night, fasting and praying for God's call on his life to be fulfilled. And I have to say honestly that I did not know if that would ever change that my heart went out to Alan, and I did not know if he would ever get to see his dream fulfilled of preaching the gospel to the nations. And then a couple of years ago, things started shifting and changing. Alan got recognized as a pastor. He was ordained as a pastor in his church. And God opened up the way for him to go to the Middle East to preach the gospel This past year, Alan took his first international trip to Dubai and preached the gospel many nights in a row. And I rejoiced with him at that opportunity. Alan told me recently that he is in a correspondence Bible school and that he will be graduating soon from that. 
And recently, God has opened up the way for Alan to have a small plot of land where he can build a small house. And after all these years of sleeping alone in the church each night, fasting and praying, Alan is going to have a home where he can be refreshed and have a good, good night's sleep and from there go out each day full-time to preach the gospel in his own country and beyond. His story is an incredible example to me of a faithful person who chose year after year to entrust himself to God and to believe that God's promises would be fulfilled in his life. And I believe that in my life, in our lives, in the life of Orange Coast Free Methodist Church, God is inviting us to be like Alan, to be like Mary, to believe that the Lord will fulfill his promises to us. I believe God is inviting us into that. Now, as we continue on in the gospel account of Luke, we turn our focus to our magnificent God, the baby Jesus, and we'll pick up the story in Luke 1, verse 46. Mary has been greeted by Elizabeth, and now Mary has some words to say. Mary said, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed. For the Mighty One has done great things for me. Holy is his name. And Mary continues on, and now her words become even bigger pictures, speaking not only of what God has done for her, but what God has done for his people. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. And then Luke tells us that Mary stayed with Elizabeth for about three months and then returned home. These words of Mary, this almost song of Mary, is called the Magnificat. It's named after the Latin word that begins the Latin version of these words of Mary. Magnificat speaks of a magnification. Mary is making God big. Mary is praising God in all of his greatness. Mary is saying, my total self, all that I am, magnifies and praises the Lord. And she's doing so in a way that is very personal. She's speaking from her own experience of what God has done for her and how God is fulfilling his promises to all of his people. Mary's song is filled with Old Testament um, fulfillment. If you're taking notes and you want to look more deeply into this later, take a look at 1 Samuel 2, Hannah's prayer when Samuel is born. Hannah pointed forwards towards God's fulfillment in Jesus, 
And Mary is pointing back to those Old Testament prophecies as well as forwards to what will happen as her child Jesus is born. Mary speaks of the mighty deeds that God will do, and she's echoing the language of the Exodus back in Old Testament times when the Jewish people were led out of Egypt. If you want to look more deeply at that, look at the words of Exodus 6 and compare them with Mary's words. Mary is speaking with this powerful, prophetic voice, echoing Old Testament themes of redemption, freedom, justice, deliverance that are now being fulfilled in this baby Jesus that she is carrying. Mary speaks of incredible reversals. It's only in Jesus that the proud would be scattered and that God's mercy would come to those who fear and worship him. It's only in Jesus that rulers would be brought down, but the humble would be lifted up. It's only in Jesus that the hungry would be filled with good things, that the rich would be sent away empty. I think about the story of Alan from Uganda. It's only in Jesus that someone like Alan, growing up in poverty in Uganda, would be lifted up and called by God to preach the gospel to the nations. Mary is speaking of an incredible fulfillment that comes in Jesus, of salvation, of mercy, of deliverance, for people like Alan, for people like you and me. And this Christmas, this is the Jesus that we worship. I want to invite us this Christmas to magnify God like Elizabeth did, to magnify God like the unborn John did as he leaped in the womb, pointing people to Jesus from before he was even born. I want to invite us to magnify God like Mary did, with great joy, trusting in God's promises, believing that his promises to us will be fulfilled. Let's look at our weekly challenge. I'll invite you, as always, if you want to, Take out your cell phone and take a photo of this. We want to know God's love more. And I invite us this week to read the Magnificat, Luke 1, 46 through 55, and reflect on this question. How do Mary's words magnify your understanding of the message of Christmas? We want to grow in the love of God. And so I invite you to read Luke 1, verses 39 through 44, and John chapter 3, and reflect deeply on this joy of John the Baptist that caused him to leap with joy in the womb and to be overflowing with joy in Jesus all through his life as he pointed people to Jesus. Let's reflect deeply on that joy of John and what it means for our lives. And to overflow with the love of God, I want to invite us to read Luke 1, verse 45. And to reflect on where in our lives God is inviting us to trust more fully in him to fulfill his promises to us. In a moment, we'll be going back into prayer and back into worship. But I want to invite us also to glorify God 
here today, even here and now. And so in a moment, the ushers are going to pass out index cards to all of us and pens. If you need a pen at the end, you can leave the pen on your seat or keep it if you'd like. And on the index card, we're going to invite you to write down your own praise of God. We won't be collecting this. It'll be yours to keep. And I'd invite the ushers to go ahead and start passing around these cards and pens so we can be ready. I'll be inviting you to write on your card, my soul glorifies the Lord for, and then write in your personal completion of this statement, your personal worship of God this morning. And then I'll invite you to sign your name at the bottom Again, we're not collecting this. It's just for you to worship God. I'll share with you what I wrote because this past week I've been reflecting a lot on those dreams of God that God has given me that I am waiting to see fulfilled. But I've been reflecting on how God also is bringing me healing for places where I've been hurt, how God is stirring up new things in places where I felt like dreams have died a little bit and how God is helping me and leading me. And so here is what I wrote on my card. I wrote, my soul glorifies the Lord for he has heard my cry and he has helped me. And then I signed my name at the bottom and just expressed this as my worship to God and my praise to him and my way of glorifying him. So when you receive the card, I invite you to write down your praise of God, my soul glorifies the Lord for, and write down what is in your heart for how to express your praise to God. And in a, in a moment, we'll pray together, and then we'll enter back into worship of our magnificent God. you're continuing to write, please feel free to continue. I'm going to pray over us as we continue writing, and then after that, we'll have the opportunity to express our praise to God. Uh, one last time here this morning all together um, as we sing to him. God, as we are writing our praises, we thank you for who you are. We thank you that you are trustworthy. We thank you, God, that you know us, that you love us. We thank you that your promises will be fulfilled. God, we express that you are mighty and you are loving and that you see us and you lift us up. God, help us to live lives that glorify you. Help us to live lives that point people to you, that point people to Jesus. And God, I pray for us this Christmas that we would experience that fullness of joy in you that is incontainable. God, let us be like John the Baptist who 
was leaping with joy in your presence from before he was born and who never stopped leaping with joy as he pointed people to you all his life. God, I pray for us this week as we head into Christmas weekend. I pray for each person here, each family, for a a rich time of worship of you, of knowing your presence, knowing your love, and of celebrating you, God. We lift you up and say that you truly are our magnificent God, and we glorify you, God, in our hearts and our lives. And we pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. I'd like to invite us to stand and celebrate in worship this morning. <laughs> 